0: is not without storms he's been through storms he shared a great testimony with me was it yesterday about your boy and uh, his church his church uh, his boy he, he can tell it better but uh, the, the church where he is now uh, loved on has loved on them after a storm and his boy testified about it and folks that's you know the church this this is the kind of church that loves on their preacher. They, they, I don't deserve it, but they love on me anyway. So preach this, brother.
1: Thank you so much, Brother Creed, for the invitation to be here for the 61st anniversary revival of the church. It's my privilege to be part of this, and uh, it did seem like an eternity getting here. I did feel like I was going through a bit of a tribulation period. Uh, but they that endure to the end, the same shall be saved. And here I am tonight saved again. And we praise the Lord that uh, he brought us here safely and uh, I want to thank God for Brother Pat Creed. He's been a blessing to me time after time. All of our conversations eventually make their way to the Word of God and you have a Bible preacher. And let me just tell you this, the woods ain't full of that kind of preachers anymore and so you ought to thank him uh, and thank the Lord for his goodness to bring you that kind of preacher to this church. And I appreciate his friendship through difficult days of our ministry and difficult days in our lives. And uh, we all have difficulties. None of us are immune to difficulties. And sometimes ministry brings about difficulties that uh, seems insurmountable. But the Lord has been faithful, as these singers have said tonight. And then I need to say a word about the Clark family. This is my first time meeting you all. Uh, though I've heard you many times uh, through the the, uh, the home that I live in, my kids love this family. I have been blessed to preach with some of the biggest Memphis, Tennessee, and Chicago, and New York City, and Atlanta, Georgia. And you know, my kids never get nervous about me preaching with a big name preacher. But when I text them tonight and said, you're not going to believe this, the Clark family is singing before I preach tonight, they said, Dad, don't blow it. (laughs) So I might have to fake it a little bit this evening just to fit in uh, with this uh, crowd. And uh, when I talk about faking it, I think about a man in Pennsylvania that had a zoo. He had purchased a zoo and his prize... His prize animal in the zoo was a silverback gorilla. Everybody who came to that zoo came to see his silverback gorilla display. And one day he went in and he found that his prize gorilla had died. He was afraid that sales would take a dip, and so instead of uh, hunting for another gorilla, fat decided to hire a teenage boy and buy the most off gorilla suit that he could find and put it on that boy and teach him how to act like a silverback gorilla well that boy learned how to do it he learned how to act like one in a really big way and one day he was jumping around and huffing and scratching the ground and he jumped so high that he landed over in the lion enclosure and he began to cry out loud just scream out loud oh somebody somebody come and get me oh somebody come and get me And the lion started walking toward him. And as the lion got closer and closer, he cried louder and louder. And when the lion got closer it said to him, if you don't shut up, you're going to get both of us fired. (laughs) So sometimes you have to fake it, amen. And uh, I hope that we don't have to do that tonight. Thank you again, Pastor, for the invitation, your kindness, and your generosity to have me here. I've already felt the hospitality of this church. You know, we talk about qualifications of a preacher a lot. I hear a lot about those kind of things, and there's more than one or two. Uh, One of the qualifications of a preacher is to be given the hospitality. And your pastor has shown himself very qualified in that area, and we thank the Lord uh, for his kindness and for his goodness. And we look forward to making some memories among this congregation for the next three days. Luke chapter 21 tonight, I want to be responsible with our time. Luke chapter number 21, please. And as you find your place in the gospel of Luke chapter number 21, you'll notice that in studying the word of God, you'll realize that the gospels share some similarities. They share common themes. If you've been through Bible college or you've been through seminary, you're familiar with the term synoptic gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptic gospels you'll find parallel passages in the Gospel of Matthew shared also not only in Matthew but with Mark and with Luke as well. If you were looking for a parallel passage to Luke chapter number 21, you would find it in Matthew chapter number 24. Now, if you know anything about the 24th chapter of Matthew and you know the 21st chapter of Luke, you know that both of these passages deal with prophecy. These passages are built around the subject Of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And how many of you believe that he is coming again? I believe that with all of my heart. Both of these chapters, when you read them, are then and when chapters. You'll notice scattered through this passage that there's a when and a then. Notice down in verse number 20. And when ye shall see Jerusalem compass with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Look at verse number 28, and when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. Do you see the the common denominator, when and then, when and then? Down in verse number 31, so likewise ye, when ye see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. A greater treatment could be given to that, and I certainly don't have time to go into all of the details of the implications that find uh, we find rising out of these verses but our lord is warning us about a coming a coming day he reminds us of certain realities that will be revealed as that day draws nearer no man knows that day no man knows the hour any preacher that you hear that know exactly when coming go ahead and put it on the list of the heretics nobody knows the day Nobody knows the hour. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, Only the Father knows. The angels do not know. Men do not know. Even the Son of Man does not know. Only God knows the time of the second coming. But He prepares us this church. He prepares us for the reality of the second coming by us. Rem- circumstances that you'll see on the rise. And when you see these things begin to happen, you can know that the end is near. One of those realities is spelled out in verse 34. And that's where I'd like to bring the message from tonight. Luke chapter 21 and verse number 34. The word of God says to us in this verse, and take heed to yourselves lest that anything Hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares. I want to preach this evening on overcharged. Our Lord is warning us that we can become overcharged and forget that the coming of the Lord is drawing near. In fact, he says to us outrightly at the end of verse number 34 that this, this day may come upon you unawares if you allow yourself to become overcharged. And as we study this, you'll find that verse number 34, Jesus has turned prophetical to what is practical. In fact, he says to us, Brother Clark, at the beginning of verse number 34, and take heed to yourselves. In other words... He says to us, before you look forward, make sure that you take a good look in. Look in to yourselves. Take heed to yourselves. This is a call that is not uncommon in the Scriptures over and over again. He tells us to examine ourselves, to take heed to ourselves. And before the coming of the Son of Man, we must do more of this and not less. The reason being because if you lose track of what's happening in your heart, what's happening in your spirit, what's happening inside, you may lose track of what is yet to come. Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged. I got out my trusty old Thayer's lexicon and I looked up the word overcharged and I found that it has basically two meanings. The first meaning of the word is very secular and we would understand this word to apply uh, directly to this generation though it's not the word that is used in Scripture. It has application to the world that we live in. The, the, the first meaning of the word overcharge means to charge someone too high of a price for services or goods. Can I get a witness right there? We are living in that generation. Uh, Brother Clark, I wonder how much it costs to fill up that tank that you're driving around these days. Right? It costs us a whole lot more money to fill up our tanks and put groceries on our table and pay our insurance and make sure that folks that are strapped by uh, folks that are strapped by limited income can be taken care of by the church. We live in a generation where we are being overcharged for the things that we need, but that's not the core meaning of this word. When I looked this up, I found out that the word also means to put too much on something. The idea behind the word actually has a picture of an electrical load. As I was considering this, I pulled out my dictionary and I began to look for other places where the word overcharged is used. As a matter of fact, I pulled out my thesaurus and I found out that in the thesaurus, the word is connected to words like overburdened overload, overkill. A.T. Robertson used the word uh, this way. He said it means to weigh down, to be depressed because of an overload. When I was in Bible college, and some of you may doubt the way I talk, I've been to Bible college, but I did go to Bible college for your information. It's the longest five years of my life, amen. I crammed four years into five, amen. When I was in Bible college, I worked for the Chevrolet dealership. I was a technician for the Chevrolet dealership. I'll never forget when I started there. Uh, we had a lot of models come through, but in the turn of the in the turn of the uh, years, I was working there between 1998, 1999, 2000, 2001. Right in that service time, and and you recall that was the time when they were remaking the motors and the transmissions and redesigning the Chevrolets, the Tahoes were new. The Suburbans were new. Well, coming along with that was a lot of warranty work. I'll never forget the day I went to one of the service managers and he said, I've got an unusual situation with a brand new Tahoe. It only had 5,000 miles on it. He said, this woman is complaining about smoke in the air compartment. And she said that if I'm in my car for over an hour at a time, there's the smell of smoke that comes in from the engine compartment through the air conditioning vents. So I took it back to my bay. I hooked it up for a time of diagnostics. And through the diagnostic process, I found out that inside of the alternator on those 2,000 Tahoes, there's a voltage regulator that's made to control the amount of electricity that is produced and sent into the battery. And if that regulator fails, then the battery can become overcharged. Well, we saw a lot of results from that. When I was at the dealership, I'd opened up a hood, and sometimes the battery had just died. You could get nothing out of it. You had to replace the battery. But there were over time, there were other times, like Elmer Fudd tonight. Y'all pray for. There were other times when it had become so overcharged that the battery actually began to boil, and the acid was exposed. The nitrogen and the acid would become exposed to the oxygen. One time I had one of those Suburbans and as soon as I opened the hood and that battery was exposed to a rush of oxygen, it blew up, blew the hood back into the windshield and I had to go to the emergency room with the acid in my eyes and in my face. That battery, listen to me carefully, that battery had taken on more than it was designed to endure. It was overcharged. And many times in our lives, we become overcharged. And when your life is overwhelmed, when your world is, is so crammed and so crowded with responsibilities, and don't we all have responsibilities, when your life is so crammed and crowded with responsibilities, sometimes we have the tendency to take our eyes off of what is most important. And there's a day coming that will catch us unawares. Neighbor, listen to me and listen to me carefully. If you're, are y'all okay tonight? If you're so busy that you never think about the second coming, you're too busy. If you're so busy that you never think about the return of Christ, you're too busy. Amen. overcharged. When I think about this, I think about the words of the Lord Jesus, and I'm going to do my best to be responsible with the time tonight. The preacher the preacher dared me to preach two hours. I'm thinking about taking that there. I don't think I'll do it this evening, though. But uh, listen to me and listen to me very carefully. You know who Jesus spoke these words to? He spoke these words to the disciple. These are the same disciples that he had given power over demons to. These are the same men that he had given power over disease. These are the same men that would become the apostles, the pillar of truth for the New Testament church. These are the same men that were living in the Lord's shadow for three and a half years of ministry. They had the best pastor that the world could have ever offered. These men are the ones that Jesus said, you better take heed before you become overcharged. He gives us three ways or three avenues or three dangers of becoming overcharged and all of them in verse number 34 and I'll be as brief as I possibly can. Notice with me in verse number 34 the first category of our life where we can become overcharged is surrounded by the word surfeiting. Surfeiting. Now thank God for our Bible. This is an old English word. It's hardly ever used in this generation. You'll have to look it up to get the to get the to get the New Testament reality of the word. And so, I did look up the word surfeiting. And as I studied that word, I came to an amazing reality. This this word literally means to have a headache. The word "surfeting" means that you've gotten so busy that it's affecting you. On a physical level. In other words, it refers to a stress that's been created. Y'all getting anything out of this oh, yeah. tonight? Oh, yeah. It refers to a stress that's been created in our lives that is putting us through physical pain. It creates insomnia. It creates digestive difficulties. It causes us to have headaches. And we often lose. Our focus, that's all in that word right there. It even had the implication of pressure. Some time ago, I read a story. When I read about pressure, I think about the story that I read about Shelby Monroe. Shelby Shelby Monroe lives in Darlington, South Carolina. She's the mother of eight children. That's pressure. Except for a few interesting experiences, she is pretty much like every other mother in America. She comes home, she fixes food, she deals with the kids and cleans the house and does some things to make some money on the side. One day she came home from a trip to the grocery store with two big paper sacks of groceries in her arms and when she walked into the house, y'all can get me an amen ready right here, when she walked into the house, and set the groceries down on the counter. Something was wrong because the house was totally quiet. You know you know something's wrong if you walk in and no sound is being made. She set the groceries down on the counter. She made her way through the kitchen into the open floor plan of her house. She looked through the dining area and into the living room and she saw five of her children sitting in a circle on the living room floor. She thought that's mighty odd. She walked over. She looked down into the circle and there in the middle of that circle of her five children was three of the most beautiful baby skunks you've ever seen in all of your life. Beautiful skunks. And when she looked down into that circle, she screamed, children, run! And each one of them picked up a skunk and ran. And then she screamed louder. And we all know what happens when mom screams too loud. The kids get nervous and squeeze. And we all know that skunks don't like to be squeezed. Pressure can create... I hope this doesn't come out the wrong way. Pressure can create some stinky circumstances, can it? Y'all pray for me on that one. I hope that came out the right way. And every day of your life you find pressure. Every day of your life, you may face a difficulty that is unique to your family, a difficulty that's unique to your career, a difficulty that's unique to your life. Every day, you have a pressure that some of us in here might not even understand. I was reading behind John Maxwell the other day. John Maxwell tells us that every day of your life, you make 17 decisions. Did you know that? 17 decisions. Some of the decisions that we make are inconsequential. But some are essential to living a successful life. You may have a day when the majority of your decisions are well made and then there are other times when our decisions are fruitless. Sometimes we wake up and we just decide what we're going to wear. That's inconsequential. What we're going to eat, that's inconsequential. But there are some decisions that you can make that will determine whether you have a job this time next week. Consequential decisions, and many times decisions crowd us in such a way that we become overcharged. I have an eighteen-year-old daughter; who just last year graduated from high school, and now she's working at Chick Fil A. And I've got a—I've got a matter of fact, my two oldest kids are what I think they call them Dutch twins. They're both eighteen years old for two-week period in their life. My son is 18 years old and he just got released to drive a construction van and making good money and and, uh, we're thinking about all of that. And then I've got a daughter that's 15 going on 35. (laughs) Y'all know that one, don't you? And I'm telling you, just the the typical unfolding of my life, pastoring the size of church that I pastor... Uh, preaching the amount of meetings that I have to preach and meeting people and taking phone calls and text messages and just thinking about my wife's needs and thinking about my family's needs, sometimes I feel a bit overwhelmed by it all. Sometimes I feel a bit, uh, I feel like I can't even come up for air sometimes. And many times I'll start thinking about my days like it's yesterday and I'm trying to relive it and like I need some sunshine from tomorrow and the Bible calls that, y'all hang on now, worry. worry. Let me tell you what Jesus said about worry. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6 verse 25 through 34. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall wear nor yet for your body what ye shall put on is not life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. But your heavenly Father know it feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit of stature uh, unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? He goes on in that same passage therefore take no thought saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed and then he says sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof did you hear that every day has evil woven into it the apostle paul said we have to redeem the time i just all i got tonight i don't have a good personality i don't have a whole lot of charisma i got a good education but it's not because i was real smart All I got tonight to offer you is the Bible. And the Bible teaches us that we're to live our lives in 24-hour compartments. He said, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. He said, there are some things that need to be settled before this 24-hour cycle. God put this big ball of fire in the sky and when you see it rise and go down he says there are some things you need to settle inside of that cycle sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof and here's what happens oftentimes we're so busy thinking about what we didn't get done yesterday and so busy thinking about what we've got to get done tomorrow that we miss the potential of today you will be accountable at the judgment seat of Christ for your today. We can't undo tomorrow. Once you scramble that egg, it can't be unscrambled. And we can't live, uh, pardon me, yesterday, and we can't live tomorrow now. We have to live what we're given currently, right now. Does that make sense to anybody in here besides me? When you try to when you worry, when you, when you become distressed, when you suffer an anxiety over things that didn't get done or things that need to be done, you're stealing tomorrow's clouds and putting them over today's sunshine. And you'll find yourself becoming overcharged with surfeiting. Surfeiting. You'd be shocked tonight. I've pastored long enough to know this. You'd be shocked tonight if I gave an altar call for the people in this building that are stressed so much that their body is being affected by it. You'd be shocked how many people had to find their way into the altar tonight overcharged. You can get so busy that you forget that Jesus Christ is coming again. Number one, surfeiting. Number two, drunkenness. Look at this. He says in verse number 34, he said, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting. And then notice the second one, drunkenness. Drunkenness. This simply is speaking of an intoxicant. When he speaks of drunkenness, he's talking about that which has the ability to inebriate us. The literal understanding of the word would indicate alcohol and And you're looking at a man tonight that is a 100% abstainer from alcohol in every form whatsoever. If you grew up in the kind of home that I grew up in, you'd feel the same way about it as I do. I have no patience for it. I have no use for it whatsoever. I, I watched it destroy my dad. I watched it destroy my mother. I watched it destroy... My mother was married five times... Uh, I watched it destroy my oldest brother and watched it destroy my sister. And when I was an early Christian at 17 years old, I was already being destroyed by it. And God delivered my life from it at 17 years old. Thank God God and the Lamb forever, I have nothing good to say about alcohol. But this word is much more than just alcoholic drunkenness. I'm going to say that drunkenness means much, much more than just getting drunk on wine or alcohol. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 23 said, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. The term drunkenness may refer to being controlled by something. Controlled by something. Y'all don't mind if I get what the word of God said on that, do you? Amen. We live in a generation that is that is being controlled and influenced by things that God never intended us to be controlled by. Right. You know, your Bible still says, "And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit." Right? These are these are incompatible realities. It's either one or the other. You're if you're full of wine, if you're full of alcohol, you're controlled by it. But if of the Holy Spirit, you are controlled by the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense to anybody in here besides me? There are things that we have in our lives that seem to have the potential to control us. I didn't come up here to get mean and ugly with you tonight, but some people are controlled by social media. I mean, you, you you can ruin a whole day based on a post that happened on Facebook. Can I just say something right here? Preacher gave me the opportunity. Preacher gave me the, he gave me permission to preach. Can I just say something right here about Facebook? If the only friends you have are Facebook friends, you're a sad, sad individual. Amen. Most of the people that are your friends, hey, man, this is going to go rough tonight. I want it to be nice tonight. But most of the people that are your friends on Facebook, they're not, they're not there because they want to be your friend. They're there because they don't like you. Right. They're just watching you. They're trolling you. Some of y'all looking at me like you don't believe this. And some of y'all acting like this never happened to you. That's not a halo over your head, that's where your horns are growing together, amen. We've all had these issues. There are a lot of people that they can't be happy except their except their, their life is defined by social media, but it's not just that. We live in the gaming generation. The gaming generation. Okay, if it gets quiet, it gets quiet every time I talk about this. Now, if you're responsible with those kind of things, there's nothing wrong with it at all. But if you spend more time playing games right. and on social right. media than you do in prayer and with your Bible and talking right. to the Lord and doing work for His kingdom, there's That's something right, right. way out of balance right, right. about yes, your life. Amen. I, think we've pre- I think we've prepared an entire generation that'll be surprised by the coming of the Lord right. because they're drunk on the things of this world. By the way, this is the same word that is found in Romans chapter 13, verse 13. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy. Be careful because your surfeiting can cause you to forget that Christ is coming. Be careful because your drunkenness can cause cares of this life. Notice in verse number 34 he said you can be overcharged with surfeiting you can be overcharged with drunkenness and then he said thirdly you can become over overcharged with the cares of this life. The word cares means distractions. Right. When I find the word cares in the Bible I find that it often makes its way back to that which is challenging our attention span. It's that which is it's jockeying for position in our minds. Jesus said our cares are to be cast upon Him for He cares for us. But if you keep those cares, if you foster those cares, if you fertilize those cares and you let these cares become problems in your life, Jesus said you can become overcharged. Nobody in here likes a cowboy movie more than me. Man, there's nothing more entertaining to me than to sit down and watch a good Western or a mafia movie. I like mafia movies. I don't know if y'all way that I am, but I like that kind of stuff, and, and nobody likes a cowboy movie more than me, and I, I love to watch it when the cowboys and the Indians are fighting. Can we still say cowboys and Indians in this climate of the world? Is that politically incorrect? <clears throat> but the cowboys and the Indians, they'd fight on television. It was always... When I was a boy, I'd sit there on the edge of the couch and I'd watch those and i and I'd watch those I'd watch those Indians there riding hard after those cowboys and those Indians were smart, buddy. They they those cowboys were in the wagons and they were trying to get away and the Indians were on the horses and they were catching up. And the Indians would the, the cowboys would circle the wagons. Y'all have seen it, amen. They'd circle the wagons and they begin to shoot at the Indians with their rifles. But those Indians, they were smart. They'd take those arrows and they'd dip them in a fuel and they'd light them on fire and they'd draw back their bow and they wouldn't shoot the cowboy with the fiery arrow. They'd shoot the canvas on that wagon. You know why? Because the Indians were smart enough to know that cowboys can't fight Indians and in fire at the same time. The Bible still says to us that we have to be careful about those fiery darts of the wicked that are aimed toward our hearts and our soul to distract us, to get our eyes off the goal. Jesus Christ is coming again. And the devil has put on a full court press to make us forget that reality. Overcharged by surfeiting, overcharged by drunkenness, overcharged by the cares of this life. I need to close the message tonight. I'm leaving out a lot, but I I feel like I've said what the Lord wants me to say. Some time ago, I was reading, matter of fact, in preparation for this message, and I was reading a book that uh, talked about the engineering of the Golden Gate Bridge. I've never seen the Golden Gate Bridge, but I hear that the engineering is a marvel especially in the age when the Golden Gate Bridge was built. It was at the highest peak of technology in that day. The engineers that built the Golden Gate Bridge took into consideration that it has three loads that it must be built for. If the bridge can't hold up under these three loads, people who are passing over it are in danger of its collapse. The engineers said that, number one, we have to prepare the bridge to hold up under the dead load. The dead load is the, is the weight of the bridge itself. If a bridge can't hold itself up, then it's useless. And the dead load is the weight of the bridge and the the, the, the the metal and the and the concrete and the asphalt and the and the riveting and the cables. It has to be strong enough to hold up itself. But then there was a second load that it had to be prepared for. that was the lie. Entire idea behind the Golden Gate Bridge is that people would drive. Daily traffic would cross that bridge. And the bridge not only has to be strong enough to bear up the, the dead load of itself, but it has to be strong enough to bear up under the life load, the live load. That is when other things are piled on top of it. And then there's a third load that that bridge had to be built in perspective of, and that is, don't miss this church, the wind load. I read, Brother Clark, about the Golden Gate Bridge, that in some places it can flex in the wind as much as three and a half feet in any direction. (laughs) The winds that come through the bay can shift that bridge side to side. side. And when they built that bridge, they built it with such dynamic wisdom that they took under consideration the dead load and the live load and the wind load. I'm afraid that we haven't taken that into consideration. The dead load of self. You know, truth be told, I have a lot of problems in life with me. Yeah. Right. If I'm not going to be honest with you, I'm not going to be able to help you. Right. My biggest problem is not the people in this world. My biggest problem is me. Right. I have a big load just tending to me. Right. And then we have the load of life. Sufficient unto the days are the evil thereof. Just whatever life produces. And then we have the load of the wind. None of us know. Brother Clark was testifying in between the song about Jesus and that house that he said, A, a wise man builds his house upon the rock, and when the, wind, when the rains descend and the flood came and the winds blew, it stood because it was founded on a rock. And then there was another man that founded his house on sand. Same wind, same flood, same storm, and it fell. You listening? We are all subject to the erosion of the wind in our lives. It can overwhelm us. You may be sitting right here on the pews tonight. I'm closing the message. You may be sitting right here on the pews of Faith Baptist Church tonight, and you're okay with the life load, and you're okay with the dead load, But if a wind load were to overwhelm you, you'd fold like a deck of cards. Sometimes we get so busy thinking about self and thinking about life and thinking about our trials that we forget there's a coming deliverer. Amen. That's right. Amen. That's right. If you're so busy that you didn't think that the Lord may come today, you've gotten too busy. Have you lived the whole day and didn't think that the Lord may come before this day is over with? Then you're overcharged. Let's stand tonight. Pastor, thank you for allowing me to stand in your pulpit this evening. The pastor is coming to lead in the invitation. I think he's calling for somebody in the Clark family to come and play this evening. Thank you so much, Pastor, for the liberty to preach tonight. We're
0: just going to have a hymn of invitation. Say, preacher, I don't know that I'm on my way to heaven. If I died, I, I can't tell you give you a Bible reason why I know. But if I know my heart, I don't. Would you slip your hand up? Let me pray for you. Just slip it up. Put it back down. Now I'm speaking to Christians. I'm speaking to Christians. Hey, that was right down our alley. Come on, we, we know each other here. Yes, sir we know each other we know our days we we, we want to add hours to our days and we can't we're stressed because of work we're stressed because of of things we can't handle that God did not design for us to handle and we let all these things crowd out the fact that he's coming again and it could be today amen would you humble yourself before God? Would you humble yourself? Would you get along with him? I want to ask you to come. As she plays the piano, as she plays, if God spoke to your heart, don't go. Up, don't go from here with that load. That, that message was. That message was plain. And 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 it may be something that you've held on for years. That bitterness is not your friend. That worry is not your friend. We have an adult to deal with this young man up here. That worry is not your friend. Maybe you're a couple. You want to get alone with God. Maybe maybe there's some direction that God's leading, and and it's not something that's crowding. It's not. It's just you're you're not listening to God tonight, and He's telling you, hey, and you're afraid. We live in a culture of fear, fear peddlers, fear mongers. We don't watch it as Christians. We'll let that creep in. God spoke into your heart. Would you come? Amen, amen. You may be seated, and uh, that was right on. Amen. And uh, don't walk out that door the same way you walked in. Don't, don't do it. God didn't design us to carry. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get. From Mike, y'all sing one more, one more. uh, That fell out, that fella back, that little fella making noise back there. They named him after me, Patrick. And uh, Ma called me the other day and said, uh, tested me the other day and said, Pastor, I need to talk to you. And he's progressed so much they wanted to move him. But if they moved him, then she'd lose her job. So Miss Mona helped out, but but uh, Patrick's here in church. Miles here. Thank you, workers, for all the kids. The kids have come and they've gone. They had to go. They didn't get school. We're gonna get them to sing one more song for us. You got one more in you, sir. And uh, by by the way, these guys can preach too. Amen. These guys, all, all three of these guys can preach. They got and uh, they just do everything. Amen. And they eat too. Mm. Yeah. We'll sing one more fourth, brother.
2: Initially, we had planned on <clears throat> singing a different song, kind of a go-out-the-door type song.
1: But I want to obey
2: the Holy Spirit tonight. You know what we heard was this. This is what I got, preacher. If I don't live with Christ's return in mind, then I'm not really setting my affections on things above. Right? And if we're not thinking about heavenly things, seek ye first the kingdom of God, we are not going to live today, that 24-hour period, as we ought. It really comes down to this. Are, are we really living for what matters? That's a great message. I'm not just saying that. That that's simple. That's plain. We need it. There's all kinds of stuff pulling at us that will have us just just living for what's down here. And can I tell you, that's the problem with this world. There's a lot of people. They'd raise their hand, and say, "I'm a saved child of God," and I know we have to feed our families and we have to go to work. But what are we doing for God's kingdom, for God's work? How wrapped up are we? And this song talks about giving your all to God and for God. It also says this, could it be we're so heavenly minded that we've been blinded to what God's called us to do? Pastor Creed, you know, we can get to the point where we've been You've lived a few years. Some of these folks, we've lived a few years. We know we're going to heaven. We're heavenly minded. And we're just going to hang on till we take our last breath or Jesus comes. Because we're okay. We're saved. But what about that outreach ministry that was announced earlier? What about this community? When I go back to Berlin, when preacher goes back to South Carolina, may we be focused on what matters more than anything else in this world, and that's God, His work. May we seek first that kingdom. We're only going to do it if we live every day with an awareness that life is short and He may come today. God help us all to live for Him.
3: Could it be that we're so heavenly-minded that somehow we've been blinded to what He's calling us to do right here? Could it be that heaven's always planted, that we leave here empty-handed when this life disappears? But is it really living If my one ambition Is simply hanging on Till we all get out of here I don't want to waste a breath One heartbeat in this chest I want to see His kingdom coming I won't wish my life away I want to live each day To give away what I've been given I don't want to leave here with regret I want to leave with nothing left When I think of all that I've been given And what I've learned from living I know exactly what I need to do. So I pray that God will give me chances to show how great His grace is by living out His truth. If somehow I could choose it, I'd be the one God uses to make a difference in what forever Means to you, I don't want to waste a breath, one heartbeat in this chest. I want to see his kingdom come in. I won't wish my life away. I want to live each day to give away what I've been given. I don't want to leave here with regret. I want to leave with nothing left. I want to be light, Lend a hand. Speak the truth to a dying man. Because I don't want to waste a breath. One heartbeat in this chest. I want to see his kingdom come in I want to wish my life away I want to live each day to give away what I've been given I don't want to leave here with regret No, I don't want to leave here with regret I want to leave with nothing left, leave with nothing left,
0: and uh, we're going to have an offering. I want you to sing He Knows My Name for us while we have the offering, okay? Sometimes we forget, we get out in the world, we think, God forgot me or he blesses somebody and we don't get the blessing and we kind of feel left out but he knows you he knows everything about you let's get somebody a couple ushers we're going to receive a love offering let's give come on guys and uh, come on Glade. glad's an usher he, he's packing so you better give. <laughs> Amen. So, what we'll give—listen, members, give give a, a large offering one night. Let's be faithful, and uh, and we'll take care of everybody. Uh, we we have. We'll we'll take care of everybody. Amen. So let's pray. Tim, pray for us.
3: He counts the stars one and all. He knows how much sand is on the shores. Sees every sparrow that falls. He made the mountains and the seas. He's in control of everything. Of all creatures great and small. And he knows my name. Every step that I take. Every move that I make. Every tear that I cry. And He knows my name. When I'm overwhelmed by the pain. Can't see the light of day. I know I'll be just fine. Cause He knows my name. I don't know what tomorrow will bring. I can't tell you what's in store. I don't know a lot of things. I don't have all the answers to the questions of life. But I know in whom I have believed. And He knows my name. Every step that I take. Every move that I make. Every tear that I cry, and He knows my name When I'm overwhelmed by the pain Can't see the light of day I know I'll be just fine Cause He knows my name He knew who I was when He carried my cross He knew that I would fail him, but he took the loss, and he knows my name. Every step that I take, every move that I make, every tear that I cry, and he knows my name when I'm overwhelmed by the pain, can't see the light of day. I know I'll be just fine. Cause He knows my name. Every step that I take. Every move that I make. Every tear that I cry.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, it's been good tonight. Amen. And, uh, uh, Fun to watch these Clark folks sing together because they look at each other funny when something is not going. Especially Travis, he he looks he he, he he's into that. He likes that music. Now your 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 wife is a a, a Vol fan, right? She is. Uh, my boss, my boss's daughter, dates inside linebacker that starts for them Alabama. But she's a volunteer fan. She goes to Alabama though, so we'll get some tickets. But yeah, that is that's. I almost said War Eagle, you know, but uh, but uh, man, thank you, Clarks, for coming down and uh, get to get to talk to them, meet them, pray with them, pray for them. They got to pack up and get back. They got stuff to do. They're school teachers. They got jobs. They got Mike's got stuff to do and. And they're all busy, right? And uh, got got things going, and up there at Solid Rock, and uh, maybe we'll pack up. Maybe we'll pack up. Maybe we'll plan for this next July. Maybe we'll go up to the Vision. Maybe you guys you guys like to think about that. They got the Vision. They they have place for the kids, right? Every age. You just got to get a hotel room and take take the teens and have a good time. Now this. CDs are back there. Uh, if you have CDs, otherwise, otherwise, you can download them. It's okay. All righty, all righty. Well, let's stand to be dismissed. Man, it's great to have. It's great to have uh, Ed Beard with us. Now, Ed Beard, I coached him in basketball in school. Listen, listen. You 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 ever ha- you ever met one of those guys? They can handle the low post nobody can stop it all the time. That was him. One of the best basketball players I had. And then uh, I hadn't seen him for a while and he shows up at college and told me God has called him to preach and now he started church, got married with him, found a found somebody to marry him. Amen. No, I love brother Ed and he's a he's a great friend and a great man preacher and they they're starting a church and, and just plugging away over in Annapolis. And staying with it, they, they, they were so kind to come over here uh, tonight to be with us. I'm going to get him to close in
4: prayer. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you tonight that you're still on the throne. And Lord, come what may, we know you're in control. And God, help us please to stay focused on you, our trust in you. Lord, we know what your word says we heard tonight this is how it can get. Would we'll be overcharged and just rattled by things that are going to distract us from staying focused. Um, Lord, you say, when you come back, will you find faith on earth? And Lord, I pray tonight was just a a uh, an amount of preaching of your word, of fellowship and praise that would hold our faith steady and keep us on track. And, Lord, that you'll find us busy, uh, occupying, winning souls, staying clean. Lord, please help us. God, I pray tonight that we leave changed uh, or it was just a waste of time, Lord. I pray for the uh, remainder of the revival here. God, that it would just intensify. And please, Lord, your people need to be right, get right, so we can be a light in this dark, dying world. Help us as we go, God, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. I read.